Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Authentic series, which walks through the book of James, discovering how we can be a growing and maturing Christian. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Have you ever bought something? Maybe, uh, maybe you went to the grocery store and you... You bought an item, or maybe you ordered something from a fast food restaurant, or, or maybe somebody sent you a gift, and you opened it in order to use what you thought was on the inside, and when you opened the package, half of the item wasn't there. How many of you have had that happen before with a bag of chips or a, uh, something that you ordered at a fast food restaurant that you open it up? Hopefully it wasn't like half the sandwich was gone, but uh, you never know. Man, you open something up and it's gone, it's not there. Uh, man, what a disappointment. What a disappointment when you open up that bag of chips to find that uh, they forgot to put half of the chips inside of this bag. Or when you open up, maybe, uh, maybe you've had a canned, a mis- mislabeled can item, and you open up hoping to get refried beans, and instead you find lima beans, you know, uh, something like that. We all have those times in life. Well, this year, this Christmas, we had, uh, of course, many of you know, my, my uh, brother-in-law passed away suddenly back in October, right after my dad. And, and so my, my sister, Dina, her and her seven kids, um, they, uh, we were corresponding quite a bit with them. And if you, uh, if you know, she has four girls and three boys. And we're, you know, the, teen, the, the cousins are all talking and one of the cousins calls up right before Christmas time, and they, they were talking to our kids and said, hey, Dennis, to my son, what's your favorite cereal? And he said, oh, my favorite cereal is Captain Crunch. I love Captain Crunch. And they said, okay, cool. Well, two weeks later, we get a box, and inside of that box is all of the Christmas things from, uh, from my sister's family to our family. And sure enough, lo and behold, inside of that box was, a, was this box of Captain Crunch. It was sealed. It was all pretty. It was awesome. And it said to Dennis from, you know, the cousins. And Dennis was excited. I mean, you, you thought he won the lottery. Man, he's running through the house. You know, you know he's a teenage boy when they're running through the house excited about a, bullet, a box of cereal. And he's like, it's mine. I'm going to write my name on it. I'm going to eat the whole box. It's all, you know, he's excited about that. Well, <clears throat> the next day, Dennis got up. He's going to have some Captain Crunch. He opened up his Captain Crunch. And on the inside, it said, gotcha. And it is filled with a bag of shredded wheat. <laughs> now, I don't know how many of you eat shredded wheat for breakfast. Uh, shredded wheat's okay. I like shredded wheat. I like, I like grape nuts. I've got some, Craig, that my family's making me get rid of. I'll give them to you. Uh, But you know, think about this. If you're a teenage young man and you get a box of Captain Crunch and you open it up and it's filled with shredded wheat, you know what you're thinking? I don't want that. Immediately, he was like, oh, Aunt Dina, I can't. And I was like, dude, that's what I grew up with. Because Dina is the one, I've told you stories about someone, Dina wrapping up dog food one year and giving me this huge refrigerator or a um, 
dishwasher box, and on the inside of that was another box, and on the inside of that was another box, and you got all the way down to it, and it was a hanker, it was a, a rag filled with dog food. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't know if you've had those times when you open something up expecting one thing and you get another. What? What a disappointment. Hey, if I, if I get a box of Captain Crunch, if my teenage son gets a box of Captain Crunch, you know what he's expecting? Captain Crunch. If I get peanut butter Captain Crunch, you know what I'm expecting? Peanut butter Captain Crunch. The label should be what's really on the inside. It's disappointing when the label doesn't match what's on the inside. Tonight, we're going to come to our next message, and we're going to talk about false packaging, mislabeled items. We're going to talk out of the book of James in our series about the fact of this, that a thriving and maturing Christian, a thriving and maturing Christian is going, to desire, is going to desire to live out a pure and real religion. So far in our study, if you've been with us, we're going through this book, James. James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem He is pastoring a people who have been dispersed. If you were here the first week, we can go back. Acts chapter number eight recounts for us that uh, a great persecution came up against the church led by Saul of Tarsus. And because of that, many of the believers are dispersed and they, they are sent all throughout the known world at that time because of persecution. And so... James, who was the pastor and, and really kind of a co-pastor, of course, with Peter, but James, probably the, the head pastor of the church of Jerusalem, a few months go by, and James has this heart, this heart for his people to write to them and to help them, hey, even in the midst of crazy circumstances, you can have real Christianity, and it doesn't have to be one thing on the outside and something different on the inside, and really the entire book of James is living, living out authentic Christianity, real Christianity, and we've noticed a few things already. Number one, we've seen that a thriving and a maturing Christian is going to seek to have joy in the midst of trials. Remember James chapter chapter one and verse number uh, uh, four, but let patience, or verse number three, knowing this, that the trying, nope, verse number two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, complete or mature, wanting nothing. Hey, when you go through trials, they're hard, but you can have joy. Well, how can I have joy? Because of the God that lives within you. Finding joy in my Christ, not in my circumstances. Finding joy in the Savior, not in my situations. And he's talking, wrote to them that a thriving, a maturing, a complete Christian is going to have joy in the midst of trials. We noticed in the second message, Brian preached for us the thought that a thriving and maturing Christian is going to know to turn to God in every situation. Verse number five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Man, a a thriving and maturing Christian is gonna know, no matter my circumstances, I can have joy, but no matter my circumstances, 
I know I have a God in heaven that I can turn to in faith and I can turn to in wisdom. The third lesson we learned is the fact that a thriving and maturing Christian is going to see past the bait. Where do we find that? Verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth, God, or neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it's finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Hey, be careful, James said. Be careful because in the midst of, in the midst of trials, and in the midst of circumstances, the devil's gonna put some temptations out there, some sinful temptations. And the temptation is not the sin, but when you begin to go into and make decisions based upon that temptation, that temptation, that lust of the flesh is going to lead to sin. And where does sin lead? Sin always leads to destruction. And so what does a thriving and maturing Christian do? They see past the bait. I don't see the hook with the bait on. I don't see the bait on the hook. I see the hook beyond the bait. I know, man, devil, you're not gonna get me on this one. No, I know that destruction is what takes place next. And then last week, we looked, and again, another message from Brian, a great message out of, out of James chapter one, that a thriving and maturing Christian is gonna know how to grow. What did, what did James write about? Man, he, he wrote about the importance of the seed of the word of God in our life. And we've said this often, and I, I won't ever apologize for it, being repetitive in it, but I really believe the number one thing that the devil fights in a believer's life is their time in the word of God. Man, you, you, you begin to make a decision and buckle down, I'm gonna be faithful to my Bible, I'm gonna be faithful to the word of God, the devil's gonna go, oh, you are, are you? There's other decisions that you can make. Did you know that the devil doesn't care if you come to church? Oh, he'll fight it. He'll fight that step of faith, but if you're a dedicated Christian that comes to church but doesn't stay in the Bible, the, the devil's fine with that. You can be a dedicated Christian that tries to serve God and, and do, do a bunch of things for God, but if you stay out of Scripture, the devil's absolutely fine with that. Why? Because he knows. He knows the power of the Word of God in the lives of the people of God. And tonight, we're gonna come to our next thought, that a thriving and maturing Christian lives a pure and a real religion. The two verses we're going to look at tonight, James chapter 1 and verse number 26 and 27. James chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27. If any man, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's empty. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You know, in life, there's always going to be people who talk a big religious talk. There's people out there who know a lot of scripture. They know a lot of Bible principles. There's people who know a lot of the, the lingo of maybe a, a Christian or someone who's been in church for a while. But, all it is, is knowledge. It's not understanding. It's not, it's not real. It's just talk. Oh, a lot of those people, they really are saved. They really have put faith in Jesus Christ. But they've never grown in their relationship with the Lord. And they simply have do's and don'ts 
rather than real religion. I'm going to talk about it tonight, but I want to say this, that religion, you hear me say often, we don't have religion, we should have relationship. The term religion is not to be a negative term. Now, the term religion, unfortunately, our culture has turned to negative. But when the Bible talks here about a pure and an undefiled religion, a right religion before the Lord, man, it is talking about a heart relationship with God. Man, a pure heart relationship with God, a pure religion, a pure following. The word religion right here really has to do with worship, a pure worship of God is gonna have some things that match it. It's not just gonna be the pretty Captain Crunch labeling with shredded wheat on the inside. It's gonna be the Captain Crunch labeling with the real thing inside. And tonight I wanna talk with you about false packaging and about asking asking God to help our lives to be a a thriving and maturing life that says, God, I wanna live out real religion and pure religion before you. Would you pray with me with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Would you take just a minute and would you ask the Lord to speak to your heart tonight and ask God to help you to hear from him and to be challenged by him this evening. Dear Lord, we want to come before you and thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for how you worked in hearts here. And Lord, we just want to thank you for how you continue to bless. Thank you for our church family. And Lord, we want to pray tonight that you would help us to be captured by your word and that you would help us tonight to hear and understand exactly what it is that you want to speak to us about Pray for every individual in here, Lord, that you'd help us to understand your word, that you'd apply it to our lives for this week. And then, Lord, we also pray that you would help if there's anyone with us in person or online tonight that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity. I pray that tonight would be the night they put their faith and their trust completely in you. And we love you, God, and we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In order to really understand what a pure religion or real relationship with God looks like, James kind of takes a minute to define what it is. And I want us tonight to understand that pure religion, I believe, or a real relationship with God is shown through three areas that James listed. Now, these areas, these are not the only ways that a a real relationship with the Lord is shown, but these are the areas that James speaks of. I noticed first off tonight that real religion or real relationship is shown through a controlled speech. It's shown through a controlled or a, a governed speech. Notice, if you will, verse number 26, where James writes this, if any man if any man or woman, if any, some, someone from mankind among, is among you, and they seem to be religious, there's this appearance of religion. <clears throat> but if they bridle not their tongue, if they don't have control or a governance over their tongue, they're deceiving their own heart, and this man's religion is vain. It's empty. The word religious in this verse, it literally means someone who comes across as having religion or a relationship with God. Here's what James is saying. If there's someone that 
there's, there's a, a little bit of an aspect of religion that you would maybe look on the outside and you would say, well, they, they claim to be religious. They speak a big religion. James says this, but if they're among you and they, they have corrupt speech in their tongue, they have foul language, not just foul language, but they're not speaking words to the edifying. There may be that backbiter or that gossiper. Uh, the, the, the words don't really match what is, what is seemingly there. James says that person's religion is, is vain. It's empty. Now, the word religion, it's not used in a negative context. We want religion, but we don't want a vain or an empty religion. We want religion that brings us to relationship with God. I mean, it would seem as though James was hearing about many people who were struggling in their life with their speech. As a matter of fact, all throughout the book of James, James, James in a number of places, he references uh, um, a, lot of a lot of times he references speech and how to speak and what to say. And so it would seem that James had heard that through the dispersion that there were believers who, man, they were struggling. They were struggling in how they were speaking to others. And again, I'm not just talking about, about foul language. No, there's, the Bible has a lot to say about our speech other than uh, don't say a curse word every now and then, you know, or don't say a curse word ever. Or don't say, you know, the Bible has a lot more to say than that. And James is writing here to say there's a lot of people that are going to speak a, a big game about their religion, but their speech betrays them. They're going to they're gonna talk about being religious. There's going to be a, an appearance of religion, but their speech, what they actually say, betrays them. Why? They don't bridle their tongue. They're the gossip. They're the backbiter. They're the mean-spirited person. They're the complainer. They're the murmurer. They're the disputer. And what does James say? He says, well, that type of religion, that type of worship, it's empty. It's vain. Oh, they may be saved, but their relationship isn't growing like it should be. And remember, James has just written about a growing relationship, allowing the word of God to grow us. Hey, the word of God's gonna grow you, but if you neglect the word of God, there's gonna be a seeming religious uh, um, aura about you, but your words will betray you because you're gonna be speaking speech that is unbecoming of the Lord. You know, the Bible actually teaches this in Matthew chapter 20, or Matthew chapter 12. Either make, it, make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Oh, generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And you know, there's a lot of <clears throat> Christians that know the Lord and they seem to be religious. In their day and age, in James's day and age, uh, seeming to be religious was the Pharisee. The Pharisee went about with uh, all the phylacteries and all the scripture and the frontlets upon their forehead and the phylacteries upon their wrists and their fingers. It's the scriptures, the little scrolls. And still to this day, you can go to Israel and you can see uh, 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 those Jewish, believe, many Jewish rabbis and believers that walk the streets and they literally have a rubber band around their head with a, with a big box right here. 
and they have something on their wrist and things on their fingertips and there's the scripture posted on all the doors all throughout Israel, anywhere in the Jewish corridor in Israel and there's, a, there's a, an appearance, there's an appearance of religion. But those Pharisees, what did Jesus say to them? He said, man, you're whited sepulchers. You're, you're white on the outside and all pretty and nice and done up, but on the inside, you're filled with dead men's bones. Today, they, back then, that was, the, that was the religious, seeming to be religious, wearing the phylacteries and all of that. Nowadays, what is the seeming to be religious? Well, nowadays, it's the people who maybe go to church. People who go to church and the people who go to work and they let people know, yeah, I was at, uh, yeah, you know, I attend such and such church. And they, there's a, an appearance of religion, but when you really get to know them, they're the person who's going, hey, did you know, did you know about so-and-so? I can't believe that person. They're the gossip. They're the ones who are saying, man, I, I would never let my kids hang out with them. I would never talk to them. I would. And they're the ones who are backbiting. They're the ones who are, who are deceptive. They're the ones who, who say, well, it's just a white lie. You know, it's not a big deal. You know what James says? He says, hey, if, if someone's among you or if you are going about and you have a, an appearance of religion, but your real, your real words and what you really talk about doesn't match, your worship of God is empty. Oh, it doesn't mean you're not saved. That's not what it means. No, no, no. It just means you, you're not growing. You're not applying the word of God like James has just got done speaking about. One man said it this way. He said, it is the tongue that reveals the heart. If the heart is right, the speech will be right. A real relationship with the Lord is going to be backed by a controlled speech. Now, let's be honest. Can all of us control our speech all of the time? No. Are there times when we say something that we shouldn't have? Yes. I'll be honest. There's been times, and even this week, I was talking with Hannah, and we don't get in arguments. We just have heated discussions. Uh, we really, we really, I'm, I praise the Lord for it, but we've grown in our marriage a ton, and, and I, I hate to say it, but most of the time, if, if we do have a, a discussion, it's my fault. It is, and I, I'll be honest with you about that. You know what? Sometimes during those, those discussions, I know that I'll say some things, and I don't, I don't cuss Hannah out. I'm not going, oh, you blankety blank blank, I can't believe you would, you know, and there's some people that do, I don't do that, I'm, I'm we don't do that. But I might say something like, you know, you always, you always do this. And I'm, I praise the Lord for a gracious wife because she doesn't just slap me right then. But she'll go, hey, babe, wait. Let's not get into the always and every time and all the time. Let's focus on this situation. Man, I need that. You know what? There's times when I'll say that and I'll, I'll have to go back later and say, hey, Hannah, we forgive me? I said, you always do this. And I, you don't. That, that was an uncontrolled speech. So are there times in our life when we are going to say something that we didn't mean or we're going to perhaps uh, maybe even gossip about somebody when we, when we know we shouldn't? Yeah, there's gonna be those times, but here's what we need to understand 
The Christian life, I was talking with another one of our men today about this, the Christian life should be measured in patterns. Okay, the Christian life should be measured in patterns. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You wanna know if you're a faithful Christian to church, look at the patterns. Don't look at, well, I was at church two times this week. I'm faithful to God. Look at the last six months. Were you in church more than you weren't in the last six months? What's that show me? It shows me patterns. And then there's gonna be growth because of the strong patterns. The same thing is applied in my speech. Hey, you might say, you know, I I struggle with my temper. I struggle with gossip. I've struggled with that before. And I'm just not making any headway. I bet if you gauge the patterns, you would see there's growth. So look over the course of the last six months. Have you spoken harshly less in the last six months progressively. So that first month, maybe it was two arguments with the wife and saying, you always do that. And then the second month, it was only two times of it. And the third month, maybe once. And the fourth month, maybe twice. And the fifth month, maybe once. What's happening? There's a pattern of growth. Does that make sense? In the Christian life, sometimes we want to gauge our growth by just the positives and negatives. I get in an argument, I'm a, I'm a failure. I'm a horrible Christian. Wow, I can't do anything right. I'm such a loser, I can't believe. And that's what we talked about this morning. The devil climbs up on my shoulder and tells me how much God hates me in that moment. And the fact of the matter is, no. God says, hey, keep growing. Peter, who literally walked with Jesus every day for nearly three and a half years, Peter said, but grow in grace Keep growing. You're never gonna hit a, hit, a, hit a pinnacle. No, keep growing. And so what is one of the ways that a, a true, a real, pure religion Christian grow, or, or, uh, um, thrives in? You know what they do? They keep growing in this area of a controlled speech. That's what, that's what James is speaking about. If you look into your life and you see that pattern of uncontrolled speech, then you probably need to check what you're allowing to influence your heart. But if you see a pattern of growth in your speech, man, you might be a thriving and maturing Christian. A thriving, maturing Christian is going to be growing in that speech, letting no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Pure religion. It is shown through a controlled speech. Secondly, notice this, that a thriving and maturing Christian who's gonna live out that pure, undefiled religion is gonna have a loving heart. A loving heart. Notice that verse, verse number 27. The first part of verse number 27, it says this, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. The word affliction really would would be equivalent to the word hardship or trial or uh, time of need. In verse 26, James speaks about that impure religion, vain or empty religion. In verse number 27, he speaks about a complete or a pure, a mature religion. Well, what's it gonna look like? That person who's living out a pure religion is gonna have a loving heart. What James says about it Most people wouldn't say if you ask them, if you ask most people this question, hey, what is real religion? 
Like, what is real religion? You just ask anybody in the street. You probably wouldn't get the answers that James is giving. Oh, they might say something along the lines, but most people, what is pure religion? They would say, oh, uh, pure religion is, you know, you go to church. Pure religion is uh, you, you give to the church. Pure religion, and they might come up with some answers. Here's what James says. Hey, pure religion, a real relationship with God is gonna be identified by a loving heart. A loving heart toward who? A loving heart toward people and specifically toward people that can't do anything for you in return. The widow and the fatherless. The widow and their affliction is widows in the midst of a trial. The fatherless are those who don't have someone in their life to provide for them and to direct them and to help them. And uh, James says, when you do this, when you reach out to those who can't do anything for you in return, that's when you are living out a pure or complete or mature or thriving religion or relationship. It's caring for people who can't do anything back for me. It's loving people who may not love me in return. It's giving to people who may not have anything to offer back to me. The word visit in this passage It means to come alongside or to join to with the purpose of helping. I am joining my life to yours with the purpose of helping you and edifying you and lifting you up. And you don't have to do anything for me. And the reason I'm doing this is not for the attention. It's not for the glory. The reason I'm doing this is because I love God and I love people. We keep seeming to, if you've been in our church for any length of time, like the last 11 years, we keep coming back to those two things. Loving God and loving people. Man, what is a pure religion? It come, Pure religion, that real relationship is gonna be shown by loving people because first, I'm recognizing my love for God. I'm gonna love people in spite of people just the way God loves me in spite of me. You wanna show that you have a pure religion? Demonstrate it by having a heart and hand for those around you. Pure religion, it's doing something for those who can't do anything for you. One man said that. You want to show a pure religion, demonstrate it by a loving heart and a lending hand to those around you. It goes hand in hand with the previous verse that we spoke about last week. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Hey, after we've seen ourselves in the mirror of the word of God and of Jesus Christ, we will see other people the way that Jesus Christ sees them. It's that gospel identity that we've been talking about in our growth groups. And if you're not in a growth group, I hope you would join the next two weeks. We'll finish out the series and then we'll We'll have three weeks of combined groups and then break up for a new one. But the series we're in right now, man, stop trying. Looking at life through a gospel identity lens, looking at life through the fact that I am a follower of Jesus Christ and seeing people through the death, burial, and resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, seeing people through the lens that he sees them through. Hey, if you're a believer who gets in the word of God, he is gonna help you to view people the way he's, he views people. Don't be that religious person that talks a big game but doesn't back it up with a loving life. Man, be the, be the Christian that it's not about me talking a big game. No, I don't, I don't need to talk a big game. Why? Because I just wanna love God and love people. And God, God, God if, I, if I live it out that way, hey, God's gonna bring the, the, uh, the blessings and the credit and the appreciation. God will bring all of that. 
But someone who's living out that pure religion is going to have a controlled speech and they're going to have a loving heart. Think about Isaiah. What did Isaiah do? In Isaiah chapter six, the Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord, then he saw himself for who he was, and then God used him to minister to people. It was Isaiah getting in the word, the word, you know, seeing the Lord. And it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and upon his throne. And, and we don't know if he actually saw the Lord or just drew, no, drew nigh to him. I personally believe that he had a glimpse of heaven and that the Lord literally touched his life to help him understand, hey, Isaiah, if you will see me for who I am, I will help you see people for who they are. And then God would use Isaiah uh, to preach the word of God and to lift, his li- to, to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ through his life, to lift up Yahweh, God the Father, through his life. A thriving and maturing Christian is going to have a loving heart for people. I love how one man said it. No words are no substitute for actions of love. Hey, don't just speak that big game. Live it out. A loving heart is something that doesn't just happen. Helping people, giving to people, that can just happen. I mean, I know a lot of unsaved people, people who don't know the Lord, that they're givers. Not to a church, but to charities, and they're given online, and they're, you know, and all these athletes have their special charity they give to, and, and in their lifetime, they'll give millions of dollars to, to just help people. But many of them, they do it for the notoriety. They do, yeah, or for tax purposes. They do it because they have to. You know what? God's saying, hey, when you're living out a real relationship, a pure religion, It's gonna be demonstrated through the fact that you have a loving heart for people. What is pure religion, Lord? James, what is pure religion? James says, hey, a real relationship's gonna be shown because you're gonna have controlled speech. You're gonna have a loving heart, but then lastly, you're gonna have a guarded life. You have a guarded life. Verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widow in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. By the word world, James means society without God, the culture around you, the corrupt culture that sustains the world. We know that Satan is the prince and the power of this air, and Satan has a desire to taint the lives of believers through sin and through temptation in their lives, drawing them away or luring them away like we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And as children of God, we are supposed to be in this world, but not of this world. That's that series in the book of Corinthians that we talked about. But the fact of the matter is that you and I, as we travel through this life, we have a responsibility Well, what's that responsibility? The responsibility is that word keep, to keep himself unspotted from the world. The word keep, it means to set up a guard around. It means to protect. What's he saying? Hey, protect your life. Protect your life from the sin that comes your way. Protect your life from the dirt and the filth that comes your way. Last year, many of you were uh, with us as we went through our 
strength for the day journey every day. Really, we were trying to do that just to get people in their word. And I've had people ask me, Pastor, when are we doing that again? Uh, I'll be honest, that was hard. It was tough to get up at every day, 9.30, go live and do that Monday through Friday. And uh, man, I, I don't have plans of doing, starting that up anytime soon. Just to, I'm just gonna tell you right now. But it was good while it lasted. It was helpful for our church. It was helpful for me. But one of the days, actually one of the series we went through was in the book of James. And I had preached through this on Thursday nights for a midweek service back in 2016. And so I took a lot of that material and kind of used that for those devotions. And on the, on the days that we were covering verse 26 and actually verse number 27, it was right around our youth conference that we host uh, at Camp Graceway in April of last year. And uh, Hannah and I were doing it together. On Thursday, we did verse 26. Friday, we were at youth conference and couldn't do it. On Monday, we did verse 27. And we were reading verse 27, and I went back and watched it a little bit this week just to remember what we said there so I wouldn't be too repetitive. And uh, <clears throat> during that thing, I said, hey, Hannah, tell me about what the house was like this morning. And apparently, that this is when we still had our two nephews and niece, and Hannah said, oh, she said, we woke up this morning, and I walked out here, and it looked like a tornado went off. She said, our entire house was an absolute wreck. She was like, and I'm not just talking toys and things like that. And she said something along the lines of the kids had been uh, doing all of these things. And there was it was just like, it was dirty. There was footprints everywhere. And little Asher, you know, our little nephew, little Asher footprints everywhere. Apparently they had been outside at some point Sunday night and then, and then all come back in. And of course we were still up when all of that was taking place, but just, I didn't know that they were traipsing all over the house, making a mess, or they wouldn't have gone to bed till it was cleaned up, right? And so she's telling this story, and <clears throat> then the thought was brought in. You know, all too often, every day, let's be honest, every day, we are out in the world. All of us, we're out in the world, and we live in this world. But we have a choice of keeping the filth of this world out of the insides of our lives. Or we can, like little two-year-old Asher, traipse that filth into our lives. And there's a lot of believers that they're not keeping themselves unspotted from the world. They're not even, just, they're, they're not even blatantly living it up. They're just not on guard for the sin of the world that the devil wants to bring into their lives. And I, I think tonight that we need to be reminded that if we're gonna live a, a pure religion, a pure relationship with the Lord, we've gotta have a desire to leave the dirt of the world on the outside of our lives. I think this, the desire of the one who is living a complete, mature, pure, or thriving Christianity, is, it's gonna be a desire to live a guarded life. Lord, help me to see past the bait. God, help me to see the temptation that's around the corner. God, help me to see the sin that the devil uh, so, so uh, uh, connivingly puts in the right place. Man, help me to see that. Why is it, <clears throat> why is it that James is writing to these believers these, these thoughts and these topics? I mean, why do we think that he would be saying to them, Hey, stay in the word of God. Hey, have joy in the midst of trials. 
Hey, see beyond, see beyond the, the, the temptation and see the destruction. Hey, live a real religion. The reason is because at this time, all these people were scattered. And you know what happens in a Christian's life when we get scattered? Man, the devil attacks. You know what happens when we go through trials? The devil attacks because he knows we're weak. And this week, this coming week, this next seven days, you know what the devil's gonna do? He's gonna find the weak points of your week. He's gonna find the W-E-A-K points of your W-E-E-K. Does that make sense? He's gonna find the low points in your days. And he's gonna attack. And here's what James is saying to him. Hey, guard yourself. Have a guarded life. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Don't just have a big talk. Have a life that says, no, God, I'm gonna protect myself from the sin that the devil so easily and so desiredly wants to send our way. I think tonight that when Dennis opened up, when Dennis opened up this box of Captain Crunch, he was disappointed. I mean, honestly, I remember him being like, man, how am I gonna get her back? How am I gonna, how am I gonna get uh, my cousins back? And even, even today, we were talking about it when I said, hey, you got that, you got that box of Captain Crunch? I said, I'm, my illustration tonight is that, can I, can I use that? And he was like, yeah, man, what are we gonna do to get her? That's what he said today at lunch. What are we gonna do to get Aunt Dina back? You know, And they're all coming up with, a, how can we get them back? And I'm not gonna say the ideas because my sister might be watching the message. Man, how can we get them back? You know what? The disappointment that Dennis had at that point, it was a disappointment because what it said on the outside was not what it was on the inside. And I tell you today, unfortunately, there's a lot of Captain Crunch Christians who are filled with shredded wheat. I know that's silly, but there's a lot of believers who they claim, they claim a great religion. They claim a great growth with God. But when you get to know them and you get up close, you realize they're living in empty Christianity. They may be saved, Many of them, they, they truly do know the Lord. But they've just allowed this world to stifle or hinder their growth. They've allowed the devil to trick them to get away from the word of God. And I wanna say that a thriving and a maturing Christian is going to live out a pure and real religion. And so in your life, I wanna ask you, is it gonna be Captain Crunch or Shredded Wheat? Man, is it gonna be a big talk with a life that doesn't match? Or is it gonna be a life that doesn't need big talk because it just is real? A thriving and maturing Christian is gonna live a pure and real religion. But maybe you're here tonight and you can't live a pure and real religion because you don't know that you have Christ in your life. You don't know, maybe you're with us online, you don't know if you died today that you'd go to heaven. Can I tell you tonight that the Lord loves you and he gave his life to die on a cross for you. He was buried, he was crucified, he was buried, but he rose again from the dead to prove that he was God, to prove that he could be trusted, to prove that he could be the one that you put your faith in and he did all of that because of his love for me and for you. 
And this evening, maybe you need to put your faith and your trust in Christ and understanding it's not religion that saves us. It's trusting in him. It's putting our faith in him and his finished work upon the cross. But if you do know Christ as Savior, will you make a decision that this week, this week, you're gonna be a thriving and maturing Christian that's living out a real relationship with the Lord? A thriving and maturing Christian is going to live a pure and real religion. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And just as we prepare for an end time of invitation, I want to ask you tonight to just ask God to help you. God, am I, do I have false packaging? God, am I saying one thing and living another? Maybe tonight you would just make the decision, Lord, help me. Help me to live a thriving and maturing Christianity by seeing a pure and a real relationship. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.